This is Bloomberg Business Week. I'm Carol Masser. And I'm Bloomberg Quick Takes Tim Stenevec. We're here every day bringing you the latest news from the world of business and finance. Plus technology, politics, economics, all harnessing the power of Business Week reporters and editors. Not to mention our 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. You can download Bloomberg Business Week on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Bloomberg.com. You can also listen to our radio show at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Bloomberg Radio. Or watch us on YouTube. Search Bloomberg Global News. Hello, everyone. My name is Joel Weber, and I'm the editor of Bloomberg Business Week. I'm excited to host our latest behind-the-story conversation, this time with my colleague Brad Stone, the author of the forthcoming book, Amazon Unbound, which we excerpted in this week's cover story. The conversation we're about to have is going to make you want to pre-order a copy, so go get that done ASAP. Brad, thanks for joining. I started working on this book in um, late 2017, and so 2018 comes around, and suddenly HQ2 is launched, and Amazon's in the middle of this very polarizing process to find a second headquarters, which kind of ends in disaster in New York City in early 2019. At the same time that Jeff and McKenzie announced their divorce on, on Twitter, and then the National Enquirer comes out with this explosive revelation about Jeff's personal life, which leads to all sorts of craziness. So in the as I'm writing, as I'm researching this book, you know, they're, they're like these earthquakes. And what I thought was a tame little business book suddenly has to veer into the territory of explicit photographs and cyber espionage and, you know, per, you know, alleged Trump interference in, uh, you know, in the Jedi contract and, and the question of whether the National Enquirer story was politically motivated. So the whole thing was this hall of mirrors can of worms that I, I had to navigate. And, and there you were suddenly writing about um, gossip rags. And so let's talk about that. Like the, the first the first thing that really set all of this in motion was the, the announcement of their separation. And, and so I'm just curious, like what, knowing what you know about the businesses and Amazon, like what did you first think when you when you saw that? And then when the, the news uh, that began to trickle out happened, what, what, what went through your head as somebody who watches um, Amazon closely? I think my reaction was the same as pretty much every other Amazon um, executive or anyone close to the company or who observes it, which is just sheer surprise, shock, you know, because, well, there it's a, you know, it's a very private family. So obviously, um, you know, you don't know what's happening inside any family or any marriage, but, you know, Jeff had, had basically made the story of his marriage part of his public persona, you know, it talked about it a lot. Um, it, um, and so it was just a surprise. He's also so, so disciplined, so careful. And, you know, the fact that his private life had be, become fodder for, you know, this past its prime tabloid magazine uh, was just a shock on a number of different levels, um, you know, that it happened at all and that he allowed it to happen and had you know, when you look back on it, and some of this is in the Business Week excerpt, you know, he he conducted that relationship really out in the open throughout 2018. Um, you know, him and Lauren went to, um, you know, we're at Blue Origin launches together. He brought her to the Seattle Amazon headquarters to the see the Washington Post printing presses. Um, in in fact, it was it was really conducting it as if it wasn't a secret. Um, you know, which is which is fine. Um, except that I think he underestimated or perhaps didn't care uh, about the extent to which he had become such a big public figure and the extent to which, you know, tabloid elements would be interested in his life. And it, it, it then kind of metastasized from there. 
So let's drop um, uh, everyone into the story with a fantastic lead, which goes, raise your hand if you think you've had a harder week than I've had. <laughs> and this is Bezos and Amazon's headquarters talking to to whom? Put, put us there, right. Brad. Like, who, who's he talking yeah. to? And that's interesting because, you know, this is in a book about Amazon, right? And it, it is fundamentally an Amazon story, even though this is something that happens in Jeff's life. It it rocks Amazon. Everyone is is surprised, um, you know, at 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 uh, at this at this uh, crisis that has enveloped their boss. He comes into this ST meeting in early 2019, and he he sort of he he comes close to apologizing for it. Um, he he reassures everyone that he's you know had adult conversations with Mackenzie that she's fine, the kids are fine. Uh, so thanks for being focused on the business. But at the same time, and this leads to a little bit of a disillusionment within the company, they recognize it within retrospect that some things, some strange behaviors were explainable now. So, for example, Amazon had requested helipads be part of its second headquarter offices in, in Queens, uh, Long Island City, and Northern Virginia. And if you remember, it was a really polarizing request in, in, in New York, and the New York Post had it on its cover, and it started to stir up some of the animosity towards Amazon's project. And you know, later we learned that not only is Lauren Sanchez a helicopter pilot, but Jeff has taken flying lessons himself, and they've bought his and hers Bell's Textron helicopters. Um, and then similarly, Amazon was floating a plan, uh, and this is in the Business Week story, to create a second share of Amazon stock, a second class with lower voting rights. Which now, I thought Amazon was disputes just in, this in characterization. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think in, in context of this being ultimately a business story, I thought that that the dual class thing was a really important thing because keep in mind, Amazon went public before the rest of the tech companies, right. the, the the Facebooks of the world, had this dual class structure. So, so what does that what does that represent for for you know those, those of us who are making sense of Amazon? Right. And and important to note that Amazon never did this. It it pitched this this dual class plan to some of its largest institutional shareholders and they they were perplexed like why would you do this? You know, definitely not. They they don't want to do anything that might potentially dis dilute their influence on the company. And and then later they when the divorce tweet was announced, a lot of people at least interpreted it as as some exploration that Jeff was was doing to see if in the divorce settlement, he might retain some of his voting power over the company. And in fact, they ultimately um, resolved that because McKenzie's shares, uh, Jeff, Jeff uh, retained voting influence over those shares. But as we've seen, she's getting rid of those shares. She's, she's giving away a lot of her money very quickly. And when the shares pass on, I would imagine their voting rights uh, go to the, their new owners. So, you know, again, Amazon disputes that interpretation, but a lot of people inside and outside the company were looking at these things and wondering, and I think with some, with some good reason, whether Jeff's personal life had begun to really impact his stewardship of the company. So if you're just joining us, my name is Joel Weber. I'm the editor of Bloomberg Business Week. I'm joined by Brad Stone, um, the author of the, the new book, Amazon Unbound, and my colleague here at Bloomberg. We excerpted uh, his book this week with the untold story of how Jeff Bezos beat the tabloids. If you haven't read it yet, you can go to bloomberg.com slash businessweek and get that excerpt. Um, and please remember to pre-order Brad's book. Brad, you, there's so many little nuggets 
uh, and actually substantial news in this excerpt. Why don't you give us another one? We've talked about the dual class thing. What, what was another um, thing that people will find uh, surprising? <laughs> okay, I got to remember. Um, <laughs> uh, here's a good one. Here's a good one. Um, and I dropped this in at the very end. You know, over the years, there has been this funny little search uh, to find the Bezos boat like the richest man in the world, does he have a luxury yacht somewhere? And about two years ago, um, there was a false report that in fact he had bought this kind of $400 million motor yacht and, and they denied that that was true. And you know, I, I was wondering it as well because him and Lauren were showing up on Barry Diller's yacht and David Geffen's yacht. And in fact, um, I, I, at the end of my search, I found a, a, a super yacht um, sail, a sailing, a three-mast schooner that's being uh, constructed by the Dutch company Ocean Co. that's under construction now, you know, that, that Jeff is building. And not only is it this magnificent yacht, but because it's a sailing yacht, you can't land helicopters on the deck because the mass. <laughs> and so they're building, and I did not know this term, um, they're building a support yacht with a helipad so they could land the new helicopters on the new near the new yacht. So anyway, that, that was another delicious little uh, tidbit that's in the story. Yeah. And if, these uh, the companies that build these yachts, obviously hyper, hyper secretive. So you have to like, you know, basically like, you know, go trolling through whatever local Facebook photos you can find of of things under construction. And you found one, right? That's right. <laughs> there was a there there is a um, a sailing a, a, a yacht community on facebook and and i was looking at it and and there was a photo of an unfinished hull and it was the code name was something like y721 and and i looked on ocean co's site and there was a y721 i might be getting the number wrong from memory and it wasn't it, it didn't say who the owner was and that was one of the breadcrumbs along the way that made me think you know um, there are only a few people in the world that might build a yacht of, of this size and scale. Okay, so the the real juicy part of the story is the stuff that gets into uh, Jeff Bezos, um, Lauren Sanchez, the, their relationship, and sort of the the drama that ensues. So why don't we talk about that? Because once this thing gets out in the open, um, you know, most of us. Uh, discovered everything through this medium post that was a news event in and of itself, right? Um, and what you basically helped us piece together was the untold story that led to that moment. So rewind the clock a little bit and and talk to us about how National Enquirer and everything else fits together into this the drama that unfolded between Jeff Bezos and and AMI. Right. It, it, it's such a long, tangled story. Um, so let me try to boil it down. Uh, and, and there are some coincidences that um, I, I concluded are just coincidences. But, you know, I, I sort of am, am frank in the book that like this is, is kind of my it's such a peculiar saga that based on the evidence that we have now, this is, is what transpired. And, and I'll go quickly. But essentially, in the fall of 2018, Dylan Howard, the, the editor, the chief content officer of, of AMI, editor of National Enquirer, it gets a little upset at the, at the Washington Post's pursuit of the Enquirer's catch and kill reporting on behalf of Donald Trump, and he authorizes a look into the life of Jeff Bezos. And a memo goes out to Enquirer reporters to dig up dirt on the world's richest man. And there's no other information, nothing about an affair, any, nothing like that. And all this is now in the voluminous court filings. 
Then coincidentally, Lauren Sanchez's brother, Michael Sanchez, approaches the, the, the paper, the tabloid paper, with this mysterious scoop that he knows of a, a wealthy tech billionaire who's dating a B-list actress. Long story short, Michael is um, basically in, informing uh, on, on his sister and her new relationship. And over the next couple of months, provides the Inquirer, um, not with any, not with, um, this is a family uh, Twitter space, so I'm not going to get too explicit, but, you know, not with any <laughs> explicit photos, but with a lot of the text messages and other photos that shows, that show his sister is having an affair with Jeff Bezos. Um, you know, the Inquirer publishes, well, first, you know, Jeff and Mackenzie get wind of this report. They they announce their divorce on, on Twitter. Um, and then there's a battle between um, Jeff's camp and the Inquirer. Um, Jeff, Jeff's uh, security consultant, Gavin DeBecker, begins to insinuate that, that there were political motives um, and sort of unexplained mysteries behind the story. And it wasn't an unreasonable conclusion because, you know, Michael Sanchez is a peculiar guy. He, he's, he's a Republican. He's overtly conservative on, on Twitter. He's got relationships with Trump world figures. And of course, AMI did as well. They, they were the news organization that, you know, did the catch and kill, um, you know, on, on uh, stories about Donald Trump's infidelity. Anyway, the media, Jeff publishes the Medium post accusing AMI of extorting him and really insinuates that, you know, there were political um, motivations and that maybe even the Saudi government was involved. And of course, the Saudis uh, had reason uh, to have enmities against the Washington Post as well. And in the Medium report, Jeff kind of wraps himself up in the mantle of the Post and says he's pr proud of the work. And, you know, and I don't know, I don't think it was deliberate misdirection that there might there might have been good reasons to suspect that this was a politically planted story. But in the end, all the evidence, the currently available evidence suggests that it was a much simpler story. Um, and, you know, that, that this was a story ultimately of, uh, you know, a, a, a brother who maybe in his own peculiar way was trying to protect his sister. But but nevertheless, ended up creating more of a problem for him and and for his sister and and her her new partner. Um, you know, is it possible one day we'll find that there was a hidden another hidden level of secrecy and conspiracy to the whole thing? It certainly is. But I went as far and deep into it as I would ever want to go, or I think anyone else have gone has gone. <laughs> and 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 really, the available evidence do, does suggest that. You know, the, the Saudis, they might have hacked Jeff's phone. I, I don't know. But there's certain, no evidence, and it would contradict the available evidence, you know, if, in fact, they were a kind of secret source all along. Okay, so there's another character that we haven't mentioned yet, Gavin DeBecker. And this is um, sort of Jeff Bezos' uh, sort of private bulldog, um, who, you know, you would just expect that the richest man in the world would have somebody like this basically at his beck and call. What did Gavin DeBecker uh, break loose? Yeah, he he's he's you know he's an accomplished investigator. He's got an amazingly successful security company. He's an author. Um, he he has a long relationship with with the Bezos family. He starts. Jeff basically gives him you know endless resources to go pursue the truth. He's talking to Michael Sanchez, and you know pretty much recognizes pretty quickly that you know San, that Michael Sanchez had played some role in in at least tipping off the National Enquirer, uh, and he also suspects you know reasonably that um, you know that there might have been political motives because not only is Michael uh, this outspoken conservative, 
but because the Trump world <laughs> had so much animosity towards the Washington Post and to Jeff and Amazon, uh, you know, at the time. Um, and so, you know, he starts writing articles in the, in the Daily Beast or giving interviews that that do suggest that this is part of a, of a grand conspiracy. Um, you know, it's, um, you know, he, he does identify Michael Sanchez as being the primary source, but he also really does lay a lot of the groundwork for, you know, some of the confusion that came out a, as a result of it. I, I don't I don't necessarily think that any of that was done as a uh, an overt PR strategy to obfuscate, but it did obfuscate. If most people are going to reflect on this peculiar bit of history in the in the in the life of the world's wealthiest person, they're going to say, "Well, didn't the Saudis have something to do with that? Was Trump responsible? Wasn't there a brother?" And a lot of that is because of Jeff's medium medium post and and Gavin De Becker's um, stories in the Daily Beast. And you know, in the end, I concluded it, it wasn't as complicated as that. Um, it was also, I thought one of the most interesting thing about this was sort of once Bezos sort of let, um, De Becker sort of like loose in terms of trying to, to flush out the, the truth, all right. Un unlimited resources to do so. Um, he, he actually did engage with, with Michael Sanchez and, and immediately just had like a sniff of something that something was a little off. Um, and that ultimately sort of culminates with this the cat and mouse game with with the photos of them, um, which ends <laughs> right. in a pretty interesting place. So why don't we go ahead and share that? Um, oh boy, okay. Uh, what, I, I, what happened? I should what happened, know. Brad? What happened? Right. I, I I can't remember if Twitter Spaces is rated R or PG thirteen, we'll but keep it, um, PG, thir keep it PG thirteen. Okay. So the linchpin of this whole thing, and again, one of these little avenues that, you know, when you're writing about a big tech company, you don't expect to be going down. But did the Inquirer ever have what we'll colloquially refer to as the dick pic? That, that's it, right? <laughs> did they ever have it? And it, it's a, it, it, was, it was part of the letter that was viewed as extortive that Jeff wrote about in his Medium post. It, the, you know, they referred to it in the story. You know, did it exist? Did the paper have it? And as I, you know, and this is actually something that the Southern District of New York and the FBI, as they tried to unravel all this and figure out, you know, should there be charges? It's something they looked at. And ultimately, what I what I am told, Michael Sanchez told them, is that the Inquirer was was bugging them for it. They wanted Sanchez to give it to them. He was hemming and hawing and resisting. And finally, he said, "Okay, I'll show it to you." And he went to a meeting in, in uh, sorry, he was in L.A. and the Inquirer editors were, were FaceTiming with them in, uh, in, from New York. And he showed them the dick pic, except he did not. <laughs> and this is, this is uh, in the story. He did, he, what he showed them, it's unclear if he ever had, he really had the photograph in question. What he showed them was a photograph that he had downloaded from an escort website and he passed it off as an authentic item. And then they believed they had it um, and didn't understand that they were, you know, that it was a sort of another level of, of deceit, let's call it deception from their source. Uh, yeah, you just never expect to go there as a tech reporter, right? Brad? Did I break? Did I did I break any Twitter rules with that description? I, we'll Joel? find out later. I think we'll find <laughs> out later. But but you, I think you did a good job. Um, uh, speaking of good good jobs, Brad, like I, I want to kind of bring this back home to a business story. Like ultimately, like this is 
um, you know, the one of the most successful business people of all time. And obviously this story took him places that he probably never expected to go. But can we bring this back to, to Amazon and also what Jeff Bezos has accomplished his business? Like what insights did you learn from, from reporting on this particular part of the story that relate to how Amazon has come to, you know, just dominate um, um, everything? Right. Well, you know, it's, it's actually something that I had sort of understood and maybe even experienced a little bit um, myself. If, if you remember after the Everything Store came out, um, you know, Jeff and, and Mackenzie at the time, um, well, Mackenzie and a bunch of other Amazon executives left me one-star reviews. Do you remember? Because they didn't, they didn't love the book. And it was such a unique and interesting way to object to a piece of, of journalism. And then you fast forward to the Medium Post. And of course, they're upset at the National Enquirer. And he does this bold, unusual thing of publishing their, their emails and their negotiation. And it, so it, it underscored for me the kind of Bezos mindset, which is he sort of, he'll, he'll throw a playbook out the window and he'll come up with something totally new, totally unique, something that kind of shakes the ground under his at least perceived adversaries. And they do that with products too, right? He's ne he never wants to launch a Me Too product. If they're going to do uh, a smartwatch, they're going to do something totally unique. You know, the, the new Amazon smartwatch, which hasn't done all that well, um, records your moods and, and gives you and gives you feedback on, on your emotions and how you're behaving, right? There's always something different. And so this whole saga with the National Enquirer, you know, is is the be is the Bezos operating philosophy laid bare. You know, he's gonna do something bold and unexpected. Um and usually, as we say on the cover of Business Week this week, Jeff wins, right? I mean, that's he he comes out on top, and now he's retiring as CEO later this year, at the helm of um, I've lost track a 1.7 trillion dollar company, and his fortune has exceeded 200 billion. So, lots of room for critique, lots of ways in which regulators should look at Amazon. But you look at you know his moves over the past 25 years and you know, you have to you have to admire um, or at least be a little awed by uh, the way in which he has built his empire. Okay, what other uh, elements are you excited for people to read about in the book, which comes out when? And I I pre-ordered this online. Yeah, I'm, uh, Joel. I hope you've pre-ordered at least I pre -ordered a, my copy. One yeah. copy I, for the kids. A, for yeah, I know. Can I pre-order an autograph too? Like, how does that work? But but when, yes. when does it come out? And, and what else are you excited for people to read? Sure. So May 11th, so next Tuesday, um, available at your friendly uh, neighborhood uh, bookstore or retailer, uh, in addition to being for sale online and on Amazon. Um, I, I will, I will where, autograph where Lauren Sanchez. That... Do, do you think Lauren Sanchez will give you a one-star review? What do you think? Uh, maybe, maybe we can hope. Um, I'll autograph <laughs> copies that are bought from my, my local bookstore, Book Passage in Corte Madera, California. Um, so if you go there and order online and ask for an autographed copy, I'll do that. And I, I'm just really super proud of the whole book. Um, everything from the, the story of Alexa, there are some surprises in there um, uh, that'll come out next week. Uh, how, how, you know, Jeff conceived this product and, and launched it. Um, 
to the way in which Amazon devised its transportation, you know, the, the van network, the vans that are driving our streets and, and the Amazon airplanes that are in the air now and the costs associated with that growth and, and of moving so quickly. Uh, and and to the hidden story of the HQ2 saga, I've got all I've got the cities that Amazon that the internal HQ2 committee inside Amazon had selected, but basically before Jeff and the senior leadership team overrode them and picked New York and DC. There's so there's what I'm really excited about is all the news and the tidbits and the great anecdotes that are in there, and that I hope people just come away with a a deeper understanding of what is really a complicated company and a complicated person. Brad, do you have any idea how many people you interviewed for this? I do, because um, I was I was recently counting to get an, an accurate tally and it, it definitely exceeded 300. And wow. you, you need to you need to do a lot of interviews when you're writing about Amazon, because not many people have the full picture. It's a really decentralized company. So you have to go and do a couple dozen interviews for every topic uh, you're you're looking at, and also turnover at Amazon is high, and for that reason, you know people don't have a full uh, chronological picture either. So it was it was a large number. All right, that's where we're going to call it. Thanks to all of you for joining this episode of Behind the Story. You can read the untold story of how Jeff Bezos beat the tabloids in this week's Business Week. Subscribe at Business Week dot com um, bloomberg.com brad uh thank you you can follow brad at brad stone follow business week at bw and me at joel weber show um please pre-order brad's book amazon unbound uh and get that out autographed copy from his local bookstore thanks again everyone have a great day thanks for listening to bloomberg business week download the podcast on itunes soundcloud or bloomberg.com and you can also listen to our radio show at 2 p.m eastern on bloomberg radio or watch us on youtube search bloomberg global news